You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. This is Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlinks.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlinks Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlinks Podcast Network. As always, you can send in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can leave a voicemail or text us there, 716-508-0405. You can, of course, tweet at us at Rumlinks Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Facebook or Instagram messages will get to us as well over at the official Buffalo Rumlings pages. The Buffalo Bills fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers in their week one season opener. Uh, It was a hard-fought battle, and we'll get into some of the reasons why they lost. But before we do that... I wanted to direct your attention over to buffalorumlings.com where my five takeaways piece was published on Sunday night and it offers my first snap judgments of what happened during the game. Good and bad, usually I try to find things that were you know, positive and you know things that the Bills can work on. So I want to make sure you head over there to read those articles on Sunday night. And also all of our coverage um, is linked for every single game. Um, the, the Steelers game thread um, was has been posted for the last week. Um, pretty much when I'm done recording this podcast, I'll go and make the one for the game against the Miami Dolphins. And uh, speaking of the Miami Dolphins, just remember, the Bills win this week. They're back in first place in the AFC East. And really, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, we'll get into more of that other stuff here coming up. But first, here are my takeaways from the game. The first thing I wrote about was amped up Allen. Josh Allen never looked comfortable on Sunday, and maybe it was because of the offensive line play, which is the thesis of my article that I'm writing Tuesday morning. But Josh Allen wasn't hitting his receivers even when he did have time. Uh, He missed Emmanuel Sanders on that deep ball in the first quarter, Stephon Diggs in the second quarter um, with Devin Singletary underneath. And after the game, Allen said that he wasn't taking what the defense was giving him. So on that Diggs pass, if you have Singletary underneath for a big gain, hit Singletary underneath for a big gain. That Sanders ball um, was line-drived on the deep pass. Um, Sanders had at least two steps on his defender. If Allen puts a little bit more air under that ball and gives Sanders a chance to get under it, you know that's a touchdown that obviously changes the game. I mean, one of those long passes... You know, that gets Singletary, say, 35, 40 yards, or that 55-yard ball to Sanders completely changes the stats, completely changes the scoring, completely changes the game. And I just felt like it was him just as much as it was the offensive line kind of really being out of sync. And the offensive line and even Brian Dable not letting him get into sync was, of course, problematic. But 
even when he had time, even when he had the opportunity, he just looked amped up in the game, except for on that drive in the second quarter, um, 25 minutes into the game, where he was um, able to move the ball down the field and score that touchdown to Gabriel Davis on the perfect throw. Um, I really loved that touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis. It's going to be a long week for Josh Allen. Um, he's going to have to think about it a lot and, of course, get a lot of questions about it. But he's uh, had, he's dealt with those head-on so far, uh, so kudos for him. My next takeaway was that the other team practices, too. I thought the Steelers played a really, really nice game. Their front four, in particular, was dominant. Um, the Bills aren't going to face another front four that, that, that is that good for a while. Um, you know, maybe against the Chiefs, um, probably against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But that's the thing. You'll notice that all all of those teams that I mentioned are teams that they're going to have to get through to win the Super Bowl in all likelihood. So when you're talking about, oh, the Bills only have problems against strong defensive fronts, that's the kind of team they're going to have to beat. Um, so the, the Steelers won 11 straight games a year ago. Uh, they have a really good defense they have receivers that can make big plays, obviously, like we saw uh, Chase Claypool make some highlight-level uh, catches against the Bills. You know, they scored 20 straight points. They're a good team, too, and uh, I don't think we can take it away from them. Brian Dable was overthinking or bad play calling or both. I don't really know. Um, but that fourth and short pass back to Matt, Brita. It worked in the past uh, when there wasn't a cornerback on that side. So in the future, if they're going to call that play, they need to be aware of who's on the edge. It only works if the person on the edge crashes down and allows the running back to get outside, as we've seen in the past. Uh, we posted that as a fan shot over at Buffalo Rumblings. Um, a couple other things with Brian Dable's play calling. They were down 10 with six minutes left in the game, and they didn't take a single shot into the end zone on first and goal. I did not like that. Uh, instead, they ran the ball and then just weren't able to um, score the touchdown. Uh, Buffalo started in Pittsburgh territory twice and scored three points. That's not good, obviously. He called eight runs for his $258 million quarterback during the game. Um I know that that's a way to like get numbers on your side. I just I didn't like his play calling in the game overall. People keep pointing to that fourth and, and short pass back. That's not the only issue I had with Brian Dable. Next up was turnovers and big plays. Um, the Bills had four fumbles on the day, but that T.J. Watt strip sack was the only turnover. Uh, the Bills special teams allowed a pump block touchdown and a Tre'Davious White interception were overturned. Uh, was overturned by a ticky tack call so buffalo had more first downs they had more yards they had like the, buffalo's offense was better than pittsburgh's offense but that turnover and the punt block were obviously you know two big keys in the game i didn't look up all the toxic differential stuff because that includes plays over 20 yards and i just didn't get into that uh, while i was writing my five takeaways but it seems pretty clear that the Steelers had a, a lot of things go their way. And actually, it's funny because you look back on last year's Steelers game and the Bills had you know, that interception return touchdown uh, by Taron Johnson. Otherwise, the game is pretty similar. You know, the, the Bills get the, the return touchdown instead of the Steelers, and that's how that game shook out. So it's a very similar game to last year, and that's one of the reasons why I picked the Bills to go 13-4 and four this year is that they lived on the razor's edge a lot more than people are willing to admit with big third down, big fourth down um, conversions late in games that, you know, 
a couple inches here and a couple inches there don't go their way. Um, and then my final takeaway was Buffalo's defense is legit. The Bills' pass rush I thought was really, really good on Sunday with the new pieces. They forced the ball out of Ben Roethlisberger's hands in an average of 2.3 seconds. Um, you know, they knocked down passes. I thought that they played really, really well. Even that play where Tredavious White uh, got mossed a little bit. You know, he was in perfect position and ripped the ball from Chase Claypool, but Claypool was strong enough to hold on to it. Like, he was in really good position. Um, a couple inches here and there from Levi Wallace, and he has a, you know, a halfway decent game. Uh, the Bills held the Steelers to uh, 54 yards of offense in the first half. They had 33% third down conversion for percentage for the game and just 252 yards of offense for the game allowed 16 points on defense you should win that game and um, you know it kind of goes back to a couple years ago when the, the defense was really good and the offense couldn't put points on the board another guy I wanted to make sure I mentioned was Ed Oliver who I thought had a really nice game Spencer Brown Oh, the, uh, just one of the odds and ends I was wanted to talk about with Spencer Brown being the sixth offensive lineman. Um, if the Bills guards continue to struggle like they have, it would not shock me at all to see Darrell Williams kick in to right guard and Spencer Brown take over the right tackle at some point mid-season after he gets his feet wet as this uh, sixth offensive lineman. And um, eight penalties for 81 yards was also troubling for me. So let's move on to your questions from the game. Uh, but first, we'll take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's head to Twitter where Eric asks us, is the amount of pressure Pittsburgh was able to create a comment on the state of the offensive line or more of a comment on the quality of the Pittsburgh defensive line? I think it's obviously both. I think the Pittsburgh defensive line is one of the top two or three in all of football. And you look at their defense, how many number one picks they have on that defense. I mean, you expect that defense to be really, really, really solid. So the problem comes, as I said earlier, when the Bills are expected to beat 
teams with great defensive lines, and they haven't shown that they're able to do that. Now, obviously, Tom Brady had problems with teams that were disruptive. Patrick Mahomes had problems with defensive lines that were disruptive. It's not just like, oh, Josh Allen has to be better. Like, it does need to be the offensive line at some point. But there's not really a system in place that's going to allow that unless you move Daryl Williams into right guard and Spencer Brown to that right tackle spot. And I'm not sure if Spencer Brown is ready for that yet. I don't know if Spencer Brown at right tackle is better than Cody Ford at right guard right now. I just don't know. And so they're seeing it in practice, so maybe they can answer that a little bit better. But, I mean, Spencer Brown had, what, two snaps, three snaps on Sunday? It's really hard for us to actually determine that. So I, I think it's definitely both when Deion Dawkins is gassed and holding three times, there's, I think, eight holding calls on the Buffalo Bills or six holding calls on the Buffalo Bills um, offensive line. Obviously, that's a problem, and it's going to kill drives no matter how good the rest of your offense is around it. So I do think it's a problem for the Buffalo Bills offensive line. that We talked about trying to upgrade it this offseason, and they didn't really do that. I was, I personally was kind of hoping that because this Bills offensive line had never played together in the regular season, that like the, the top five could gel and become, you know, a, a really quality unit and be better than what we saw last year because we didn't see this top five last year. But uh, so far, the early returns are not encouraging, and so I'm concerned when going up against the Chiefs, when going up against the Bucks, when going up against some of these elite defensive lines and you know the Bills did chip a little bit more with their running backs and tight ends in the second half of the game but when you're going four or five wides you need your offensive line to be able to hold hold the pocket at least for a couple seconds I mean you saw Ben Roethlisberger have to chuck it away after you know one and a half seconds a couple times because the Bills got pressure but you know the the Bills like longer developing plays they don't love those quick slants and so the, you have to either change the game plan change how you call the game if you're Brian Dable or get better play from your offensive line and again that does not absolve Josh Allen there were times when he had a clean pocket and missed his receivers down the field so I mean yeah he wasn't able to get into a rhythm because of that offensive line play so if I'm dishing out plurality pie like Bruce Nolan does on his podcast I'm certainly giving a, a large portion of the, the the root outcome of this game to that offensive line. And that does scare me, Eric. Thanks for the question. Mark Robbins asks us, why are the Bills the only team who don't seem to make adjustments at halftime? Had lots of bad third quarters the last year too, but luckily had some big leads. Yes, this, this narrative that the Bills continue to falter in the third quarter lives again. Um, I don't think halftime adjustments are as big of a thing in the NFL as just consistent in-game adjustments. Um, Michael Kist and a whole bunch of other folks around SB Nation have talked to NFL coaches about this. There's only, what, 12 minutes at halftime, so by the time you walk into the locker room and walk out of the locker room, you know, get retaped if you have to get retaped, you know, get water, get, do all that stuff, you only have a couple minutes for that the, the halftime adjustment thing. So really these adjustments are going on throughout the game and it has less to do with it being the third quarter than it does with, you know, and just in-game adjustments, period. Um, I thought the Bills did make a good in-game adjustment by adding the chips and adding, you know, running backs and tight ends helping with slow down that 
Steelers pass rush a little bit. Um, so that worked. Uh, but as far as like overall game plan changes in game, I thought the Bills were slow to respond to that. Um, and I think Brian Table echoed those comments on Monday during his press availability. Um, that is a concern for me going forward, uh, being able to adjust in the middle of a game. Um, you know, the Bills, like I keep saying, had a lot of come from behind victories last year. And so like you can tell when they're pressed that they're capable of overcoming these things. But it would be nicer if they were overcoming those things in the third quarter instead of the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. Thanks for your question, Mark, over on Twitter at RumlinksQ&A. Cameron writes in, what's going on with not getting on the ball with nine minutes left in the game? Same thing as last year and so frustrating. Well, during the game, I tweeted, with 10 minutes left, the Bills probably are only going to get the ball twice from here on out, so they have to score on this drive. The Bills did indeed score on that drive. They scored a field goal. And they did only get it twice for the rest of the game. They scored a field goal on that second drive as well. Then they onside kick and didn't recover, and the Steelers were able to kneel it out. So with 10 minutes left, they had a four-minute and 22-second drive to uh, go kick that field goal. So nine plays, 67 yards, not terrible. Um, Let's see here. It took them 22 seconds, and they went no huddle, no huddle, no huddle, no huddle, no huddle. They only huddled up after the first and goal run for two yards. So that's good that they only huddled once on that drive, and it was an important time. Obviously, it was after the Josh Allen run up the middle for two yards, but that knocked 40 seconds off the clock to your point. Um, They snapped the ball on first and 10 at 7.17. They snapped the ball on second and goal at 6.40. Then on third and goal, even with no huddle, they snapped it with 6.08. And this is what I was talking about earlier with Brian Dable. They didn't take a single shot at the end zone. They ran two running plays. So between first and goal and when they kicked the field goal, they ran two full minutes off the clock just because they ran twice, once with Josh Allen and once with Devin Singletary. If they had lined up in shotgun and just taken three shots at the end zone, they would have had A, a better chance of scoring a touchdown, and they would have taken less time off the clock to give themselves a chance later on. Now, it probably doesn't matter timing-wise because the onside kick didn't work and all that stuff, like you know the butterfly effect of, of everything that happens. Even if they give the ball back to the Steelers, they were out of timeouts at the end there, so they probably don't get more possessions but it would be nice to have another you know, minute and a half on the clock as they're trying to score 10 points in the last 10 minutes of the game. So going for the end zone does two things. It gives you more chances to score a touchdown, which the Bills didn't, and it gives you more chances to stop the clock, which running two minutes off the clock, not great. So it wasn't necessarily about how they weren't getting to the line. You know, between the the first play of the drive and the second play of the drive took off 22 seconds. Between the second play and the third play took off 30 seconds. You know, so you go back between first down and second down, 30 seconds because it was a run from Devin Singletary. Another run takes another 40 seconds or 30 seconds off the clock. So if they're throwing it more, they're getting hopefully more yardage than five or six runs, which is what they got from Devin Singletary. And they are able to stop the clock if the ball is dropped. So 
I would have liked to seen more passes on that last drive, particularly once they got to first and goal. So your point about clock management is valid, and that was something I was definitely watching at the time. Um, you know, it would it would have been nice. So let, let's just leave it at that. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumlings Q and A. Andrew Sunday, would you like to see more bootleg play action to get Josh Allen in space and allow receivers to separate? No, for a couple of reasons. First, it means that the offensive line has to block for longer because it's a longer developing play. And second, it puts Josh Allen's back to the defense, which I also don't really love. So they already have, I mean, I would love to see play action. Let's just say that. Um, the bootleg, I don't necessarily need. I don't need them to move the pocket so that Josh Allen has more space. So if they want to do more play action, that's fine with me. But the Bills seem content to spread it out and go four or five wide receivers and not even play the threat of the run most of the time. Ron asks us about Greg Rousseau's debut. How many Pittsburgh yards are from Greg Rousseau jumping inside? I think I saw three plays, including the end around, where he was the defensive end on that side of the line and didn't honor his responsibility to set the edge. Look for Miami to run misdirection plays to take advantage of his impulsiveness. I didn't notice that, but I also wasn't necessarily looking for Greg Russo, um, like a lot of I know a lot of other people were, um, that very well could have happened. And if it did, I would expect Jerry Hughes and uh, some of the other Bills defenders and defensive coaches to to be in his ear on that. It's one of those adjustments from the college level to the pros in particular that folks need to make that remembering that they're one eleventh and not, you know, just the guy trying to wreak havoc. So I didn't notice that, Ron. Um, I trust your ability to watch the line play based on your history over here at Buffalo Rumlings. And so if if you're saying that he wasn't setting the edge and he was jumping inside that all, then I'll trust you on that. Tyler, going forward, do you think the Bills need to be more balanced on offense? If they had a run game established, play actions would become harder to defend and it puts less on Josh Allen's shoulders. I thought Singletary had a great game. Singletary had an okay game. They didn't um they certainly didn't feature the run until it was easy to do, if that makes sense. When the Steelers were dropping everybody back in coverage, that's when Singletary was picking up chunks of six or seven yards on a run, which we just talked about, you know, taking time off the clock. That's what the Steelers wanted the Bills to do. Do I think the Bills need to be more balanced? And he emphasized need in all caps. No, I don't think the Bills need to be more balanced. I think if they're gaining you know, seven yards on every pass play and five yards on every running play, I think they are move the ball better when they're passing the ball. Um, I don't think they need to be more balanced, and I don't think that that actually helps with play action. Um, I think a lot of the analysis has said that just doing the play action is enough to get the benefit of it. You don't actually have to have a solid running game for the play action benefit to be there. So um, I don't think they need to be more balanced for that. Um, but they certainly weren't looking to incorporate that into their game plan on Sunday. And I do think it's because they were worried about the 
defensive line from the Steelers, and they didn't want to take slow developing plays or have Josh Allen's back to the uh, defense. They wanted Allen's eyes on the defensive line um, and down the field most of the time. That might change against the Miami Dolphins, who play man coverage a lot more and who don't have the horses on the defensive line that the Steelers have. So that's a good question, Tyler, but I'm certainly not ready to take away the Bills' passing identity just so they can establish the run. That doesn't doesn't really seem important to me. At Slicey Man says, the Steelers made plays and were far more physical in the second half than the Bills. How do you change that? I don't know if you can change that with the guys the Bills have on the offensive line in particular, which is where they lost that battle. I thought on defense they were perfectly fine. You know, Terrell Davis and Levi Wallace were both, I mean, strong at the point of attack. They just got, you know, outbeat by really, really nice plays by the the Steelers receiver, something that doesn't happen all that often. Um, I think John Feliciano losing what whatever it was, 20 pounds, um, has taken some of his nasty streak. Um, we'll see how that plays out over the course of the rest of the season. Um, but again, that was against, well, not necessarily against what the Bills told him to. The Bills didn't go in saying, hey, John, you need to lose 20 pounds this offseason. He made that decision on his own without consulting the Bills, and so maybe that took away from his nasty streak. Cody Ford doesn't seem to be playing with his either. That was supposed to be one of his uh, traits. He was supposed to be a mauler coming out of Oklahoma, and I haven't necessarily seen that either. So, um, yeah, they were more physical, um, and especially on that line of scrimmage, as we've talked about. Finally, Eric asks us, should they sit Dion Dawkins until he's in better shape, wondering if COVID has limited his strength recovery? Don't want to get rid of him, just maybe needs a little bit more time to build up his strength. Maybe if you're talking about platooning him, um, I could at least understand the concept of it, but when Sean McDermott comes out and just flatly says, Deion Dawkins isn't in bad shape because of COVID anymore. Deion Dawkins is in full game shape. Like, it's hard for me to, to argue with that. So if they say that Deion Dawkins is full-on ready to go, it didn't look like that to me in the first week. I, I certainly agree with your statement that maybe he needs to... Maybe he needs to platoon or get a little bit more rest during a game or you know maybe his strength isn't back up from when he was in the hospital for four days over the offseason but again that's not going to change anytime soon and the bills don't really have a great option to help him with that so if it is his strength they they can't really get him stronger by resting him during a game um if it's his you know if it's the wind like maybe if they have back-to-back drives like they did after the pump block. Maybe they can platoon in Spencer Brown for a few plays or for a one series or something like that. I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't suggest that. That wouldn't be my option. My option would be to continue what they're doing and keep working him into game shape because what happens in week 12 and in the playoffs is way more important than what happens in week one uh, with Deion Dawkins. So lots of lots of questions there. Um, this week, and I really appreciate everyone for sending in their questions after the Bills' loss uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, as always, you can send in your questions for next week's episode. Email buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can call us on our voicemail line at 716 508 
1-800-273-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsq&a with the word and spelled out in the middle. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show, and we really look forward to hearing from you over the course of this season. Check out all of our coverage for the game against the Steelers and the Miami Dolphins right at the top of the homepage. And as always, go Bills. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today